want to talk to you this month about being a good neighbour. The um, parable of the of the Good Samaritan, as we call it, is uh, something that lies behind what I'd like to be presenting over the uh, the next few weeks. You know, Jesus talked a lot about how we should treat one another. Uh, we are to love one another as Christ has loved us. Uh, we're to love our neighbours as ourselves. We're to lay down our lives for one another. Uh, this, in, in fact, probably is the supreme message, isn't it, of the Christian faith that Christ laid down his life for us. We've just celebrated that in communion and, uh, and that he calls us to do the same, so to lay down our lives for one another and so on. There are many, many passages uh, across uh, the New Testament and back into the Old Testament that uh, give us instructions on how we as God's people, as a community of faith, should be uh, treating one another. And certainly one of uh, Jesus' best-known stories, not only within the church but uh, outside of the church as well, is uh, this story on the Good Samaritan. Uh, Maybe a a culturally more relevant name for it would be the Good Neighbour. Uh, because a good Samaritan, what on earth is a Samaritan? And sometimes uh, when we call things uh, by titles that remove them from our culture, it sort of becomes something that's easier uh, to put aside. Uh, so the story that's recorded in uh, Luke chapter 10, 25 to 37, where Jesus is talking uh, to a lawyer who was asked, uh, what's the greatest commandment? And uh, Jesus doesn't give him one great commandment, he gives him two and then illustrates the second one uh, with this story of the Good Samaritan or, if you like, the Good Neighbour. We'll come back to that in in a few minutes, back to that passage in Luke chapter 10. But uh, first of all, I want to just have a look at this concept of neighbourliness and what it's all about. Uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt, in his first address as US President in 1933, said this, In the field of world policy, I would dedicate this nation to the policy of the good neighbour, the neighbour who resolutely respects himself and because he does so, respects the rights of others. I think that's very interesting. Uh, Roosevelt's speech writers, I suppose, we have to give them the credit, um, understood that uh, respecting ourselves is all about uh, the basis, the foundation, if you like, for respecting the rights of others. When we don't respect ourselves, we have a hard time respecting others. Uh, He's committing the nation to it. He says, the neighbour who respects his obligation and respects the sanctity of his agreements in and with a world of neighbours. And so he was putting this concept of neighbourliness, of being the good neighbour, on an international scale. There are some in our country who I think need to hear that address very clearly today. Um, In the preamble of the Charter of the United Nations in 1945, uh, it says this, We the peoples of the United Nations expressed determination to practice tolerance and live together in peace with one another as good neighbours. And so there on the international stage is a President of the United States saying, I commit this nation to the policy of the good neighbour, 
uh, with one another and on an international uh, level and the uh, preamble of the Charter of the United Nations doing the same that we are to live together in peace with one another as good neighbours we express determination to do that pretty good Bring it a little bit more uh, local, a bit locally for us. The city of Melbourne uh, has this project called Places for People. Uh, it's recognised in this uh, policy document, Places for People in the city of Melbourne, that a good neighbourhood is made up uh, first and foremost, obviously, of good neighbours, of people who look out for each other. And so when the City of Melbourne is looking at its domain and saying uh, how can we continue to be the world's most livable city, well it's all about being a good neighbourhood. And what are good neighbourhoods? Well there are places that are made up of people who are looking out for each other, of people who are committed to being good neighbours. And so they carried out a 10 year urban renewal project that focused on placemaking and this focus on placemaking in the city of Melbourne uh, was creating spaces that gave opportunity for people to be good neighbours and, uh, and they did a reasonably good job of it in many ways. Uh, it created a city that's, that was so dynamic and people-centred uh, that they keep on winning the world's most livable city awards, not just because it looks nice and the weather's great, uh, but because uh, people uh, are using these spaces uh, to look out for each other. Uh, the city of Melbourne today, compared to what it was 20 years ago, as far as neighbourliness is concerned, is radically different. The city of Casey uh, had this project called Get to Know Your Neighbour, and they said that uh, we need to do that because being a good neighbour uh, can be fun. Uh, it can connect children for playing with one another. can help people to create new friendships. can lead to better mental and physical health. can provide care for older residents. can provide a sense of security in the neighbourhood. And then it quotes in the City of Casey website, the, the above all make our suburbs and towns happier healthier and safer places to live and raise a family and are good reasons to get to know your neighbours. So you see what we're doing here? Jesus has told a story about a good neighbour. We'll get back to that. Uh, Roosevelt, the President of the United States, is saying this nation is committed to being a nation of good neighbours with one another and on the world stage. The United Nations has said we're determined to be countries that live together globally as as good neighbours. Locally, the city of Melbourne, the city of Casey are saying the same thing and your city, according to the, the, uh, the website, the city of Banyul, uh, they have a good neighbour award. And they're calling out for, uh, for people to nominate others uh, who might be good neighbours. And uh, at the end of this process, I don't remember when the end is, but at the end of the process, there's going to be an award given by the City of Manuel uh, for the good neighbour. And in part, the website says this, the Good Neighbour Award provides Banyul residents with an opportunity to formally recognise the contribution their neighbours make to their lives and the Banyul community in general. The award will be presented to a person who has provided support to a local resident and made a positive impact on their life. Good neighbours help people feel safe and connected within their local community. 
They can assist in many practical ways such as shopping, caring for a person when they're unwell, assisting with transport or looking after property when people are away. They can also offer comfort, support and practical assistance in times of need. In order to be eligible for the Good Neighbour Award, nominees must and then it has a list of the sorts of things that we've already been talking about. So, the world stage, the local stage, City of Melbourne, Casey, Banyul, if we looked at other websites I'm sure we'd find the same sort of thing because uh, being a good neighbour is, is certainly a good way to create a community that uh, looks after each other. What about the disenfranchised? Because now this is beginning to get a little bit back to exactly what Jesus was talking about in the idea of being a good neighbour. It seems to me that we have a special responsibility uh, to those amongst us who feel that they don't belong, uh, who feel excluded, uh, people who are experiencing homelessness and and, uh, mental health issues and substance abuse problems which I talked about before. People who are experiencing disability sometimes don't feel that they belong. Uh, People who have been in prison and have been released in our community oftentimes have a hard time fitting back in. People who are going through unemployment and feeling unemployable oftentimes uh, feel they don't fit in and into a society and a community and a neighbourhood that is so, uh, has such an emphasis on, uh, on work and employment. And there are other forms of disadvantage. Uh, the Australian Psychological Association once uh, a few years ago put out a paper on um, public consultation on breaking the cycle of disadvantage in our communities and in part this is what it said there's a growing awareness that disadvantage can be mitigated and in turn overcome by addressing social exclusion and strengthening communities for example in some of Australia's most economically and socially disadvantaged suburbs residents sense of community has mediated the lack of consequences of crime child abuse and poor physical and mental health similarly A sense of community has been found to moderate effects of the structural disadvantage that leads to youth migration from rural and remote communities to urban settings. In short, it appears that the processes and locations of communities and neighbourhoods are an important consideration in addressing disadvantage. In other words, putting it simply, uh, the Australian Psychological Association is saying that for communities... Uh, to, uh, to, to be uh, concentrating on being good neighbours is really good for a lot of the social ills that uh, our society actually experiences. Now, over the coming weeks we'll have a look at some of those in turn but uh, for, uh, for this morning uh, let's with those things in mind on the global stage, the local stage and, uh, and as far as society and the social ills are concerned uh, everybody seems to be saying being a good neighbour is a really good idea. Well, they're, they're getting it right when we line that up with what Jesus talked about as far as the greatest commands and the idea of loving one another. In this story, the story of the good neighbour that Jesus told, uh, he redefines three things. Uh, he redefines uh, the concept of neighbour He redefines the expression of neighbourliness and he in turn redefines the priorities of discipleship. Just in that simple story, in that simple parable, he redefines the concept of neighbour, the expression of neighbourliness and the priorities 
of discipleship. The concept of neighbour. You know the story so well. Jesus is asked by a lawyer about neighbourliness. He says, well, well who is my neighbour? In verse 29 of this passage. He's first of all said, uh, what's the greatest commands? And Jesus says to love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And there's a second one like it, uh, to love your neighbour as yourself. Hmm, okay. Well, the lawyer thinks about that and uh, he, uh, he says, well, um, who is my neighbour? I think he's trying to justify himself. I, I, I guess by setting some boundaries on neighbourliness, uh, setting some boundaries on uh, who he has to be good to, <laughs> who he has to be nice to, uh, means that he's uh, got some people who are excluded from that, that he doesn't have to love, that he doesn't have to be good to, that he doesn't have to be nice to, and he can get away with it because it's okay with the law as long as I'm being good to my neighbour, the people inside the circle. <laughs> and so where does the circle, where can I draw the circle, he's saying to Jesus. Who can I include? And therefore, as a natural outcome of that, who can I exclude? Because that's really important as we think about who am I going to love? In reply, Jesus tells him this story about a Jew who was beaten up and uh, neglected by his culturally appropriate neighbours, by the people who are inside the circle that the lawyer is wanting to draw. And uh, this beaten up Jew... Uh, is, um, is, is neglected by those people. And then this culturally inappropriate neighbour from Samaria, who was the good neighbour, at some cost to himself, acted neighbourly to the Jew who was in need, the Jew who was experiencing disadvantage at that particular time. Somebody who was way outside any circle that any Jew would draw... <laughs> as far as neighbourliness was concerned in that particular day and age, stops and acts as the good neighbour. Somebody who was excluded and as far as they were concerned, rightfully excluded from love and neighbourliness, stopped and acted in a neighbourly way. Would have been a major blow, wouldn't it, to the lawyer uh, for this was just the type of person on his exclusion list and Jesus just made him the good guy in the story. The villain we're supposed to hate and reject has become the hero that we're supposed to love and that would have been hard to swallow uh, for this lawyer. So, who is my neighbour? What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying that anyone and everyone is your neighbour. A neighbour is defined more by need an opportunity to do good than it is by anything else. That's what he's saying. That's how he's redefining the concept of neighbour. This is the death of exclusion and the birth of an inclusive theology that can actually be very threatening to some people. And in so doing, Jesus is redefining the concept of neighbour. There are no boundaries as far as the expression of goodness is concerned that we are called to. All right, well, let's have a look at that, the expression of neighbourliness, something else that Jesus redefines in this story. In the story, the good neighbour is kind and generous, self-sacrificial, merciful and gracious. 
These are now to be seen as primary expressions of good neighbourliness. So being a good neighbour is not just the absence of ill will or the absence of bad behaviour, nor is it simply uh, lending somebody a lawnmower or chatting over the back fence. It goes further than that. It goes a whole lot further. It's all about good deeds that benefit another with no thought of being paid back in any form. It's the unconditional love, it's the agape that Jesus and Paul and John and others talk of and the true religion that James talks about in his letter. And so all of this, Jesus is redefining the expression of good neighbourliness. He's redefined what it is to be a neighbour, who, who, who is my neighbour? And now he's redefining how that's expressed. And there's an outcome of that He's redefining the priorities of discipleship. The story that Jesus told is really all about inclusion and the doing away with exclusion as far as love is concerned. Being a good neighbour is about accepting people and showing that acceptance through sacrificial deeds. Social exclusion is an evil that God denounces. Racism and any other form of ism that puts one person as better than another, that includes one in a circle of love and excludes another, is to be decried under a theology of good neighbourliness. It just doesn't fit. This is especially so for the peoples who are discarded by our society as being non-valuables. It's our calling as God's people, as disciples of Christ, as good neighbours, to turn the tide and to be good neighbours to all, especially to those who are experiencing disadvantage and feeling excluded from the society in which we live and that we are a part of. Because everybody needs a place to belong. Everybody needs a place to belong. And these, I think, are the redefined priorities of discipleship that Jesus is talking about. I want to unwrap that uh, a fair bit over the next three weeks and have a talk about what does that really mean and uh, how is Scripture addressing each of those things. But in conclusion today, I I want to draw the point that we, we just can't get around this one. We just can't get around it. We can try. For instance, we could uh, keep on calling the story the Good Samaritan, which is culturally foreign to us and can be more easily put into the file name nice stories about people I don't know, but that's not the point, is it? Because it's about being a good neighbour and we all know about being neighbours and having neighbours and being mistreated as neighbours and being exclusive in our own neighbourliness. We we all know about that word, the idea of neighbours, good and bad. Jesus redefines all that and we need to take it very seriously because I think this is the context of what God says is the most important stuff in life. We sometimes miss that. We sometimes divorce the story of the good neighbour from what it's actually answering because he's just been answered by a lawyer. Uh, He's just been asked by a lawyer. What's the most important thing? What's the most important thing? Jesus says, here it is and tells a story to unwrap it. 
That's why I think when we get onto this concept of loving one another and, and use the, the idea of being good neighbours along the way, we're actually getting to the core of what it is, of what Jesus says it is, to be his disciples. So let's just have a, a moment of quietness, a moment of silence, because these things are to be lived, aren't they? Not to be preached, but they're to be lived. And uh, you're going out into a world in a few minutes uh, where there's a whole stack of neighbourliness awaiting. <laughs> let's have a few moments of silence as we think about that. Father God, we, we thank you for your word and we thank you for how deep it cuts, how relevant it is, how practical it is. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for telling this great story and for uh, the impact that it has upon us as we hear it. We um, acknowledge that sometimes this can be really hard to live because there are some people out there who are really hard to love. Uh, but we also acknowledge that uh, that's our calling and that you empower us for that sort of stuff. So please help us as we move out into the world this week to be committed, uh, to be uh, dedicated to the uh, realities of being good neighbours, no matter what that means. And please help us to extend our, our boundaries, uh, to recognise that it's not only the person next door but it's just as we have opportunity to do good. Please help us to do that, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.